2: and one, and now our true work begins. Welcome to the Elysium Project. In the Olympian tradition, Elysium is the highest heaven the human mind can conceive. Join Hercules on his latest and greatest quest, making the life we live and the earth we share a paradise for all.
3: Greetings and welcome to the Elysium Project. I am Hercules Invictus, and tonight is our optimal wellness show, starting off with Kak Young's Art of Healing. Kak is an awesome host, an awesome person, and today she has an awesome uh, guest, Tracy Abbott Cook. So I'm really looking forward to listening in here. Greetings, Kak. How are you?
4: Thank you, Hercules. I'm very well, and, and you're fine, too. Here we are on the eve of uh, the celebration of freedom, so it's a yes. perfect night to talk to Tracy Abbott.
3: <laughs> very <laughs> the well said. patriot that I, I am. <laughs> I, I give you the scepter for the show, and I will re- retreat to the clouds and, and listen in. Oh, do so, do
4: so. Well, my guest tonight is just an... Honor to have her on. When you start out as a fan and an admirer, it's really easy to welcome her. So, just a little bit about Tracy Abbott Cook for those of you who are just tuning in and don't know her. She, first of all, um, has a whole life in television that is amazing. Where she began her career as a writer, writing for shows like The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, Leno, and the Late Show with David Letterman. She was the first female writer in the 30-year history of The Tonight Show, and she currently lives in Los Angeles with her husband and teenage son. Somewhere in her life, after her uh, years and years of credits as a writer and in production and television, she took a turn into politics. So it's been an amazing journey to watch her become sort of from behind the scenes and step into in front of the camera and be a force for making change in the world. She is also an extraordinary astrologer and has an astrology blog, which we've posted here. It's Tracy's Astro Salon uh, blogspot.com. So with that, Tracy, welcome to the show. Jack, what an introduction.
5: Thank you so much. Happy to be here.
4: Well, it's only lacking an applause machine. And if I had that, you know, <laughs> there would have been thunderous applause.
5: <laughs> okay, give me that old I love Lucy laughter where you can actually hear Desi <laughs> in the background. That's uh, right.
3: uh, (laughs) (laughs) I will look for a laugh track machine, CAC. So hopefully, I'll be able to find exactly (laughs) that's
4: what we need. We need a laugh track. (laughs) We need we need uh, applause. We need all that kind of Hollywood stuff. It's uh, well, Tracy and I, uh, you know, admittedly, spent many years uh, behind the scenes uh, in television. We worked on many shows together, and we've been in that well, sometimes dysfunctional. Situation and television uh, (laughs) experience together. So you kind of bond, you know, it's like being in the trenches. And Tracy and I have bonded as friends and co supporters, and uh, and it's just been kind of amazing. But Tracy, I want to ask you uh, a little bit about you've had a variety of. Uh, experience in, in television. I mean, you worked with a lot of celebrities. You've worked on the biggest talk shows that there are. You broke the glass ceiling, becoming the first female writer on The Tonight Show. And uh, tell us a little bit about what that meant to you uh, in, in your life. What, how has that formed you to be doing what you're doing now? Oh, wow. Um, Wow.
5: I, boy, that's really, well, first of all, again, thank you for the big introduction. It seems so silly on a certain level because you and I, you know my history in lots of ways, but I can't say if you've ever asked these questions before. Um, I think, uh, I don't know if I can separate how it's informed me because I'm still the same person that I was in high school, in college, in television, in writer's room, I'm just kind of weird, (laughs) and I still am, and I don't, it's almost like I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm doing it, if that kind of makes sense.
4: Well, my sense of you is that you follow your instincts. You're, you're very strong in the belief in yourself, and I know that you love uh, Hollywood history, and you know everything about every street in Hollywood. In fact, you even did a production when your son Jack was in school, and you got the whole school roused up, and you gave them a street experience where they went house yeah. to house and, and, and saw how Hollywood was. And What was the time frame? that you you did that year well that was that yes
5: i did do that and i could only get away with that because i had a television background and just as a side note i think that if you've if you're a person and you've produced and written and been in tv god we love you in public school because you show up and know how to deliver (laughs) it is no fuzzy factor no like well maybe i can be there at tuesday at two with some cookies for a bake sale All my people with production background, they show up with the table, they show up at the tablecloth, they show up at the signs, they have 17 people dropping off items. I mean, I love production background in in public schools. And I um, brought that to my son's elementary school, which at the time was in West Hollywood. And West Hollywood is, people don't know this, but West Hollywood is an old railroad town. And there used to be a streetcar that went from downtown LA to Santa Monica. And when they laid it out, and that was Moses Sherman and Eli Clark, and when they laid it out, they said, Well, we gotta have a place in the middle between Santa Monica and West and Los Angeles, where the, where we can put the train barn and the cars can get service there, and that's where the conductors will live. And that became West Hollywood. It was originally the town of Sherman. So we're really talking about for people in L.A., La Cienega and Melrose, or La Cienega and Santa Monica Boulevard. So my son's school wasn't very far from there. And when I did the research, I realized that the school was over 100 years old. It had gotten laid out when Moses Sherman laid out the town and put all the railroad workers. They had kids, and the kids need to go to school. So our school had been there in some form for At that point in 2010, it had been there for um, like 120 years, but we were celebrating the centennial because it had been 100 years that the school had been with the district of LAUSD. So I thought, oh, let's do a tour and let's, I'll find out who lived in which house and I'll get parents dressed in period piece costumes and there will be a walking tour, and there will be guides who will explain everything about the houses, about who used to live here, about what this town was like. And, we'll, and the entire school went on the, a walking tour. At one point, all 300 students were out on the streets of West Hollywood. And at that point, I thought, oh, wow, I can't believe I just talked a principal into doing this. I mean, it was It was crazy. But the, it was fantastic and it was exciting and the kids all loved it because they'd walk down the street and suddenly there would be a dad who was dressed as a World War I soldier and he was explaining the kit house that he bought from Sears and Roebuck and that it still exists. It was just, it was magic. It was really magical and I'm really kind of proud of that. But I say all that is, I, that's a perfect story as to, I find myself with a great idea and running with it And then at some moment I go, oh, my God, I can't believe I got away with this, sort of that. And I keep doing that.
4: Yes, well, and I remember you uh, not only did you – stage this and, and and rehearse it and get every all the parents involved but you gave the kids a real experience of what life was like a hundred years ago that nobody will ever have that experience again i mean it it's not like you go back to walton's mountain or to disneyland and you go and see something that's retro this was real breathing living history and that's what i think the kind of passion that you bring to your life Life, no matter what you do, you certainly did that in television and you certainly got people to do things. You even got your husband to film this event and then edit it, you know? <laughs> and nobody in your life is is safe when you get an idea, Tracy. You just steamroll ahead and boom, we're you know all involved.
5: To, you know he had to edit it on Father's Day? <laughs> He did. <laughs> he did. And he just said, How come I'm doing this? I go, Yeah, I know, I know. It's really terrible, but you gotta do it.
4: <laughs> well and then and then as and then I then had I,
5: nothing to do with it.
4: <laughs> I remember then when you took over the, the head and you became a uh a, a big wig in, in the parents and the PTA because you needed to raise funds for the school and you were telling me at the time you know the the parents are lame they're not lame out of choice but they they're lame because they don't know they don't understand we are lacking funds that we that we need the sure. funds in order to do what we do and so you got everybody all stirred up and all of a sudden you made like hundreds of thousands of dollars oh. for this little school that was about to be defunct it was a really yes,
5: and that is all true. But of course, it was never just me. It was I, it was me with all my other parents who were like minded. But I would I had the bigger mouth, and um I in parts of this whole journey I had vision. Other people had other great visions as well, and it was a real orchestra. We all came together, and did it. But we just knew because my son was in first grade when the economy tanked in 2008. So we knew what was coming. We knew the disaster that was going to be heading to public education when the money goes out of the system. And and we all said we have got to get these parents engaged and they got to start writing checks. And we just did everything we could without beating them senselessly and actually in some ways we did. And they just and we went from I think raising I don't know, fifty thousand dollars a year to three hundred and fifty thousand a year to four. I think four hundred when we left. But that is what you have to do when you have a vision and you see a problem. You got to step it up.
4: You step it up and you get people involved. You get them enthused about their own product, about their own children, and, and they, it became more than just a drop the kids off to school and pick them up at three. You got them engaged, which is, I think, your greatest talent and why you you are going to be a great success now that you've turned into politics. I I don't see it going any other way because you are – you are that way, and you get people on board. You respect them, you honor them, you value them, and you get them charismatically attached to whatever it is you believe in.
5: Well, you're very kind, and you know my thank you for that. And my my politics is still behind the scenes. I'm not running for any um, a position. I did run, as you know, to be a delegate in the California Democratic Party, but um, but I haven't ran. For an office and I, right now I don't know if that's where I'll go because I, I love my behind the scenes stuff so much but I'm out there. It's like it's, it's, I'm out there in plain sight, but I'm still kind of behind the scenes. It's weird. It's a very weird. It's a weird mix. It's just a weird mix of things.
4: Well, that's probably your production DNA. You were never on camera. You were behind the scenes. And so someday you'll come to terms with that, I'm thinking. Um, Because I remember you were in production, and you were uh, a production assistant, and and you were helping. And then you decided one day, and I want you to tell us about this, you decided that you wanted to be a writer. Uh, And tell me about what happened. What, What was your moment, your aha moment where you said, I can do this.
5: Well, um, yeah. How did that all happen? Well, I always, if, how do I break that down a little bit? Um, I Well, first of all, I always enjoyed humor and I w- always was funny. A, you know, a, people people said that, let's put it that way even when I was young and it was always fun to make jokes. And I always had surrounded myself with friends that made jokes and, you know, we would keep our set. We would just keep each other laughing. So comedy always interested me, but also, um, and you know, this CAC, we were not born at the right era to be a woman and to be in the comedy. That um, was, you know, it was a, It's a pretty male-dominated industry, and it continues to be, but there's definitely more cracks. So as much as I enjoyed humor, I also looked at that road and said, well, God help me. I don't know if I can do that. I mean, that's – and there were women that were writing comedy, and they kind of were off-putting to me on a certain level. Um, And I'm not – they had a a lot of hard work that they had to do to get where they got. But they kind of had a little chip on their shoulder, if I can say that. And they just, it was like, wow, I really would like to do humor, but my God, I don't want to turn into that. And it sounds judgmental, and I don't mean it, but, you know, I was in my late 20s looking at that, and I'm like, ooh, that's not really appealing. But the demo started changing, and there were people that were younger than me who were women who were writing. And I was working on a show, and I wasn't a writer on the show. And it was um, a show, a comedy show for HBO. And there was one gal who was writing. She was a partner with her husband. See how it was acceptable? Like, oh, she was with her husband. And she's yeah. very funny and so is he. But that made it palatable to HBO. But I saw what she was doing. And I, and, I say, and I said this, and I respect her. And I still to this day do. And I think she was very talented. And I just said, you know, I know I can do this. And she's a few years younger than me. And so on that show, there were packets that you would turn in, and I turned in I turned in a packet, and I was a production assistant. I wasn't even an AD on it. I was, and I, but I, I asked these two guys to put their names on it, just because I wanted to see the feedback from the room, and because uh, it would get read in a room. And the notes came back, and one of the producers really liked one of my setups. And I thought, okay, I got affirmation. And I took that in the back of my brain, and I said, um, I know I can do this. But in the meantime, I had to pay, pay my rent. I had to make a living. So I kept, saying, I kept saying yes to production jobs. And I said yes to a production job that was just hideous. And I was, I I just knew I couldn't do it anymore. I I've hit I've hit my wall. I cannot. It was a lot of personalities. It was cranky uptight producer, cranky uptight director, um, aloof and cold writer. It was ugh, and it was like I and I had to work with all of them. And I'm like I really. I've been doing this now for, at that point, I'd probably been doing that line of work for eight or nine years. And I was like, I can't anymore. And I turned to the director and I said, after he had been snappy about something and I said, Oh, by the way, you will be my last job as a um, production assistant. I won't be doing it anymore. And he freaked out. And he thought, well, does that mean you're going to do a bad job? I go, what are you talking about? Of course not. You're my swan song. And I really meant it. And I did the show. It turned out fine. And then I emailed all of my, well, not email. We didn't have that then. I called my friends and said, don't give my names out. I won't take any more production jobs. I'm out. And I was out. And I got hired by a friend of mine right away to write a little astrology. Um, It was, it was, it was, you call in, you dial in, and you get to hear your daily horoscope, and it was for Cosmopolitan Magazine. And my friend, Rocky Gardner, who you probably remember from the Rocky horoscope, she said, why don't you write these things for me? And they paid okay, and so I wrote those. And then I think, I think, Kat, you were the next one to hire me. I'm I sure think it was I was.
4: You. I when when you had said, I think I called you for a production job. Hey Tracy, come work on this show with me. And you said, No, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm a writer. And I went, Oh great! I need a writer. Here's the. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think I yeah. think it was that simple. I think, and I think you were the next. You were the one. And so then I worked for
5: you quite a bit, and we had fun on those shows. Those were good well, shows. Well, we they did, were fun. and
4: and you know we'll we'll tell the listening audience what we did it was Rhonda shares up all night for USA network and what we did is right and we shot the bits with Rhonda and sometimes with Rhonda and Gilbert and we went all over Los Angeles and of course Rhonda was dressed up like a um, mm-hmm. Mamie Van yeah. Doren type, <laughs> and and uh, and then you wrote. Well, you wrote all those bits for us. You came up with the idea of what the wraparounds would be, and then we would uh, intro. These were the lead-ins to some, you know, B movie like the the <laughs> Killer Tomato well, What or- tomato?
5: Yeah, Killer Tomato. Curse of the Killer Tomatoes. Something like that.
4: Right, and then you would come up with these ideas like, okay, let's go to the Monster Truck Rally, and let's have Rhonda at the Monster Truck Rally, and we'll have those big trucks crush some crates of tomatoes. And, of course, I was like. Okay, yes. <laughs> and then I would, tell, I would tell my associate producer, look, book us at the Coliseum during the next monster truck rally. And, oh, by the way, we need four cases of really good-looking tomatoes that you can see in the craze, and yes. the trucks are going to run over them. So, <laughs> we did right. it, and
5: then Rhonda's there dressed in her skimpy outfits with the boobs all over the place. And then the trucks running over to the tomatoes. It was just
4: perfect chaos. chaos. It was wonderful. Well, it was perfect. Chaos, And you came up with so many of these, you know, and, and you called yourself weird. I don't. I think you're eclectic and eccentric and really creative. Uh, it, it, You know, it, you're not out there anymore. The world has caught up with you, Tracy. So it's not a bizarre what happened? experience. <laughs> I know. Well, you did that. You pulled the world up to your standards of wackiness. And, you know, what we did back in the 90s with this little late-night show was really fun stuff. I mean, at one point we had Rhonda hanging on a trapeze, and I remember you wrote the wraparounds for her appearing in Circus of the Stars. And, uh, <laughs> Every strange movie that was a B-movie, you did some really wonderful creative stuff, and you made us go out to all these locations and do bizarre things. I never quite knew how you knew about all this stuff in the world going on. I only knew about half of it. You introduced me to a whole different oh, side of life. Yeah, yeah, I did.
5: Who came up with the canals down in Long Beach? Was that you? Or I think that was you, right?
4: I think that was me. Yeah, that was me. Yeah, I think I came up I with love the canal that one too. Probably yeah, so the, we just, to. Yes, yeah. we did. We did. We took them anywhere
5: we could for a different location.
4: That's true, and or whoever would let us in, whoever, you know, and, and we were polite. We were a polite shooting group, and, of course, we showed up with this, you know, floozy, flamboyant, fabulous Rhonda Sheer, who just entertained everybody. Her smile could charm anybody into doing anything. Oh, I think we were on yeah. tugboats. We were, yeah, but anything that made it work, and we did have a good time. But I think we had a lot of freedom. Well, first of all, we were late, late nights, yeah. so who really cared? You know, I think our biggest audience came from prison. Yes, it was always she always did. We ever
5: have her read some fan mail? I can't remember. There was always inmate number seven seventeen two
4: Exactly, <laughs> like that. But I think we brought them joy. We brought the inmates some joy and some craziness and some relief. And, uh, yeah, we got a lot of fan mail. So, you know, it was, in a sense, as I look back, it was a really healing show for a lot of people. And you got for sure. to work really hard and watch. Well, just think of the free movies you got to see, Tracy. You got to see <laughs> Killer Tomatoes 1 and 2. And Yes the toxic avengers and you know you got all these things that you probably never would have gone to see they were crazy movies and i would
5: have to watch them and then have to like write the little bits and make sense of them oh my god but it was a it was a super fun process
4: it was and i think that you know you got you really you got your writing chops honed then you were you were sharp so by the time uh, you know i was believed that we are trained in whatever it is we're doing for the next thing that we're going to do. And then you went on, you went from this late, late night silly thing (laughs) to working for Letterman. All of a sudden, you know, you moved to New York, and you're writing for Dave Letterman.
5: I was, yeah, so what happened is I worked for you, and then my friend said, come do some, we write for um, MTV and uh, VH1. So then I was writing for them, and then, but all the time I was working on my packet for Letterman, and then um, I submitted through a manager. There was an opening on Letterman, and I submitted, and at the same time I went out to New York, and instead of doing writing remotely, I lived with my friend and I wrote on the shows while I was there, and then and then somehow they got they read my packet and then I got hired. Now, mine was the late-night wars, and it was a very tough time to be in late-night. So I didn't, well, didn't last sure. a long time, but I was there, and I got to experience it. And um, and then with that, then I came back to Los Angeles and got on The Tonight Show. And that was – uh, I was there uh, a longer, and uh, they had not had – in the 40-year history, they no one could – determine if they'd ever had a woman everyone thought no the
4: only not as a writer no there'd been women in other capacities but not certainly not as a writer not doing the very very male testosterone type of jokes that they do on the tonight show certainly with johnny and then uh you know with jay but you were you were right there in the front lines and you would interact with the audience and bring people up and do it was it was a it's a hard hard show to do
5: it's a very hard show to do. It's daily. And I think I, you and I talked about this before. I don't know where. It was either uh, on our interview or it was in your living room. I don't know. But they, um, I, when I was there, I ended up being the one that went out for what later would become jaywalking. And I, it was the other two writers who were, we were all bit writers. We did the stuff at the desk. And they both—they were both married, and they had children, and they had to go do school activities with their kids. It was like back to school night, or something like that. And so um, Ross Perot was going to be on the show, and—and and this was 1994, I think. And Ross Perot was talking about um, NAFTA, and the executive producer of the show, Debbie Vickers, said came up and came to the room and said, nobody in the audience is going to know what NAFTA is. Why doesn't somebody go out on the street and ask people? So normally I think it probably would have been one of the guys because Jay has a comfort. They were closer to him and a comfort level. And I, I, I don't say that with any animosity. I just understood it, but they weren't available. So they, so Jay said, all right, well, Tracy, you'll go out. And then he brought Jimmy, his, uh, who does like monologue with us. So it was Jimmy and me, but I had to handle more of the the produce, the producing part of it, like to get the to help get the people who he would interview. And um we did it, and I picked the corner, I said we're going to Melrose and Gardner because that's going to be the right cr- right right camera crowd, believe me. And you know, we were having all these people asking them what NAFTA was. I mean, we had jokes, you know, is it the uh, submarine on quest or whatever the NBC show was, that's not it, but whatever it was. And, we, you know, we had little jokes. And then there was a guy and one of our field PAs, he had found him. And then I went to talk to him and I almost cried real tears. This guy knew exactly what NAFTA was and he compared it to a movement with the Irish workers in Ireland at the turn of the last century. And this guy was so smart, and this guy had a mohawk, tattoos, and body piercing everywhere. And he was our closer, because nobody knew what NAFTA was but him. And and that was like the perfect little piece, the perfect bit, and that became the franchise to jaywalking, which was one ultimately became the um, the franchise for the show it was a breakout piece it, um, well it so certainly I always was took a little I always felt good that I was out there for that
4: yeah I mean that that's one of the things that got created because of your enthusiasm and your your uh your discovery of this wonderful lab that just freaked out late night television I mean yeah it was it was a yeah. great moment I, yeah, I remember I'
5: never yeah, we would never have gotten them if we had gone to, let's say, Universal or one of those places. And they didn't have a relationship with Universal at that time. But I'm just throwing that out there because it was just easier to go to Universal CityWalk because it was close to NBC. I said, no, 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 we got to get to Melrose. And that was – and they were there for years. Do we, I mean, long after I left the show, they were still on Melrose and Gardner.
4: Yes, they were. It was great. And then when I went to Universal – We brought them up to Universal City Walk, and that's how that kind of happened. But then you influenced – I just knew about it because of you. So we both got a little bit of a coup (laughs) over that. It was great. Yeah, I like that. Now, I think one of the fun parts for me is that you were doing a bit on The Tonight Show, and you had to interview some college guys or graduates Uh that were going around – and they were collecting spit in little jars right. from all the minor <laughs> league players. You want to tell us how that ended up? Okay. Well, it was somewhat
5: kind of like that. So, so I had um, left the show. It was a few years later. And I realized that I'm like, oh, my God, I got to get. I'm a conscientious objector in the late night wars. I'm like, I got to get out of this. So there's always, there's always a lot of that in my life. Oh man, I got to get out of this. <laughs> I don't know how that happens, but that seems to be something I do a lot. But anyway, and I loved everybody, but it was just a very trying time to be in uh, late night comedy. So anyway, I would left, but I would still freelance for them. And Debbie called me up and said, "Hey, there's these guys, and they want to go across country, and they want to go to all, they're going to all the major league baseball parks, and, they're, um, and they want to do something with the show." So do you want to come to the meeting and do you want to go across country with them? I said, really? And they said, yeah. I said, all right. And so I went to the meeting and in the meeting, the writers who were on the show at the time with, and the guys, and I was in there and we were talking about it. And I don't remember who came up with the idea, but someone said, why don't you collect spit from all the players that you can from each part? And so that became the bit. And I went across country with these five guys, and we shot it and produced it, and sent it back in sent the footage back to the um this this to the show and one of those guys is now my husband <laughs> I know I mean how do you yeah it's it's insane i mean who 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 meets in and I had only been to one baseball game at that point in my life by the way <laughs> it was such a weird. Again, weird, weird moments, weird things, but it was cool. It was all you know? I got to see the parks. I I went across country with them, and then I flew back, and then they kept on taking the journey. And then, um, and then it, when then they were on the show, they also physically came on the show. It wasn't just remote. So it was, I mean, we have a very unusual background. You know, so many people know us as a couple, and have no idea what our history was. And we've now been together, I guess, 23 years, married married 20 this year.
4: Oh, wow. Well, and, you know, it's amazing because you met him on a bus. And, and you also had to be um, house mother on the bus, I think, a few times because the college guys, you were the only woman there. And you had to wrangle all these guys traveling around the country in a bus. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, and they were, I wanted
5: just to just point of, they were out of college, but they were close enough to still feel like college for sure. They, um, yeah, I had to like, you know, I was always, well, are we really going to leave at 8 a.m.? Or are you guys going to be hungover and know the bus is the Winnebago isn't going to leave until noon? Because then we're not going to make our, we're not going to make New Orleans in time. And I don't, I want to get this shot. You know, I was doing all that nagging, all that nonsense. <laughs> and I just, I, would, I, would take, I took no hostages when I nagged. I go, that's a, little, that's a lot of nonsense. What is that? You know, there's a lot of that conversation. And my, and my husband fell in love with me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
4: exactly. Lover or hater? Editing stuff on Father's Day. <laughs> oh, of course. And then you guys produced a son, little Jack, Jack Cook. And now you, there was a big curve in your life. You, you suddenly became from this wild successful production writer you had changed courses a couple of times and now you're a mother so right. now what happens to you what happens to your career
5: well I had I had Jack and Charlie and I kind of we were both still in production and I was freelancing I would you know do some shows and I worked a lot for Dick Clark productions and I was doing like award shows and things writing them and then we just kind of, we really, you know, we talked about it and we disagreed that one of us would be home. When one of us was working, the other would stay home with our son. And um, there were times when Char- when Jack was first born, Charlie was writing on a on a game show and I was home with Jack. And then I took some jobs and then he stayed home. And it worked out really well. And then, I got offered a job. Yeah, I got offered a job, and they told me I could, work, I could do it from home. And Charlie already was on a job. And I said, okay, as long as I can do it from home, I will do it. And about one week before the job was supposed to start, the producer called me up and said, we really need you to be in the office. And it was in the Valley. And, you know, I, you know where I live. And it was like, that's an hour to get there. And I had to suddenly get child care and I didn't want to disappoint my friend. And I was like, oh, my God. So I quickly found some child care that um, was maybe not the best, ultimately, what later would come out. But this is what you do. And this is why I'm so sensitive to some of the issues that are, impact parents and families. It was, And so I hired her. And... And it was very strange that um, about on the, I guess it was around the third month, and it was a little awkward because I, you know, it was, she wasn't bad, but she was a little sloppy. And to the and on one day, my neighbor came to me and said, "Hey, I have to tell you, your babysitter fell asleep, and I found Jack wandering around out in the, you know, out in the yard." Okay, well, that is, you know, I don't ever want to hear that said to me twice. So I told Charlie, we have to fire her, and I'll figure out something for Jack tomorrow. And that night, my father died. So it was such a weird, it was like lightning struck. Everything changed right then. So I quit the job because I knew I had to take care of things involving my um, my family. And it, as I said to my producer friend, I said, this isn't where I put on a black dress and throw a funeral and then come back to work. It's very complicated what I have to take care of. And and so, and, and then what happened is um, my dad died and uh, there was a small business that he had and I kind of just took over running that. And I kind of never looked back. There's a lot of never looking back with me. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm now focused on mothering and schools and stuff like that. And I kind of was like, I felt like I'd done what I needed to do in television.
4: So then you got active in the in the, the the little was it the little red schoolhouse? Do I have that right? No,
5: I wasn't there. I wasn't at Little Red Schoolhouse. I was at West Hollywood Elementary. I was
4: there. West Hollywood. Okay. Okay, mm-hmm. and so you got active, and th- and then you used all of your production experience and your ability, all the things you used to charm people and get them to say things on the air. You used them. Uh, <laughs> and you you used it to help the school, to build the school, to create enthusiasm, sure. to 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 develop programs that were really experiential for the kids.
5: Well, I would bring in, yeah, like like yes, and I would also bring in guest speakers and. And I worked with each grade, because every grade, there's a curriculum that you have to follow in California. So I can't remember it now, but I think California history is maybe fourth grade, and Native Americans is third grade. So I found somebody who was a part of the Tongva tribe, that's the local California Los Angelino tribes, and had him come speak. And he showed up in the full outfit. And the kids were like, what is this? You, you would have loved him. I mean, it was he was great. He answered all their questions. He talked about the huts they used to build. Um, so I would just do that for all the different grades. And again, I mean, this is all talking about III. I, I. I worked with other, I worked with, there were so many wonderful parents in public school that are like me. They have this rich history and they bring it. And some of them are still working it. I mean, this. I remember this one person. He he showed up in such a way, and he we were having a yard sale for the school, and he was so good working with some of the customers who were kind of, you know, lame. I go, God, you're good. And I said, what do you do for a living? He said, oh, I'm a celebrity manager.
4: <laughs> I thought, yeah, okay, got <laughs> it. <laughs> Oh well, fantastic! And, and and so you applied that. And I remember you you did something with grapefruits once, and you gave the kids the experience of like essential oils or something with grapefruit. Yeah, you, so, right.
5: <laughs> we we did um, we did an alternative health day, and I had somebody in the corner of one of the hallways with aromatherapy, and the kids would go. They they went from like reflexology to something else, to kinesiology, to aromatherapy. And I saw this kid running from the corner with his friend. He goes, smell my hand. It smells like grapefruit. (laughs) (laughs) Which cracks me up. (laughs) Because he was saying it with such enthusiasm. I think he was in second grade.
4: Oh my goodness! Okay, so now I mean, I was just on your site today, and your current initiative is Rapid Response Fund for in- immigrants, and you're trying to raise funds now to help the the immigrants that are in the detention yes. so, centers at the border. Right. Okay, so right. how did you so come across this group? What's this about now? Well, I'm with
5: I'm with, I'm active in a lot of so my life changed. so you know it's a funny little story or anecdote is that i used to of course i was uh on the hoa board for my condo and that you know those are if you've ever done that job it's just it's hideous of course like all jobs it's a heavy lift and so i did that for a couple of years and then it was time for me to move on i was like i got to move on and i ended it in october of 20 20- 2016 and two weeks. And I was like, Oh wow. My husband said, what are you going to do with all this free time, not being on the board? And I said, I don't know. You know, I really want to write a book. I think I'm going to work on that. Well, two weeks later, Donald Trump got elected and then my life kind of turned then I'm like, Oh yeah, now I'm doing this. Now I'm doing politics. So I, um, so I, with that, I then became very active with a lot of different groups. And there's, I'm in various, various democratic clubs that I work with, and I, I'm in a lot of circles. And one of my groups is a lovely group of, of ladies, and they're Feminists in Action. A lot of them are moms. And this whole thing on the southern border has been just so disturbing on so many levels for so many people, moms and non-moms. And um, I was, I knew that I was already kind of going south on this 4th of July, not that 4th of July is my number one holiday. It's, I, I, you know, I love, I love my country and I, but it's, you know, it's a holiday where you, you're looking for fireworks. You usually have some kind of mosquito repellent on you. It, it, hot dogs are not always my first choice of of a meal choice, so it's not, high up there in my holidays, but whatever it was, went really south after I saw the father and the little girl um, dead on the side of the Rio Grande. I'm like, uh, yeah, you're not going to get me to show up anywhere where there are fireworks. I'm really not feeling good about anything. And so my people, one of my gals, one of my friends, she took it upon herself to go into her savings and she wrote a check for like $3,000 to get a mom because who's in a detention camp seeking asylum, an immigrant mom. And she and part of the reason why they can't get reunited with their family on this side of the border is they don't have the bail money. And my friend was so horrified. She said, I'm going to do this. I have to do something. And I was so inspired by her. I said, let's do another, let's help. And she got the woman out. And I said, let's get another woman out and let's do it on 4th of July. I mean, we're not getting her out on 4th, but let's get the money. So anyway, that's, so it's a, uh, it's a group and they've been, um, they've been collecting money and they just, they go in and they get these, they get these gals out of their, you know, their moms. And a lot of them are moms. A lot of them are, um, uh, maybe they're young women. It's, it's a pretty dire situation what's going on, and it's just not what I – it's not how I envision my country being right now. So we got, So I have to be the citizen that I want, and that's what so, – um, I've, so I've been posting it up on my blog and on my Facebook page saying let's all kick in and let's uh, help, these, help these moms get out of these detention centers.
4: Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, I think we were all shocked to find out that they don't have uh, soap and water, and they're standing man to man to man without a mm-hmm. place, without floor space, and that it is really a horrible situation going on in this country.
5: Yeah, it's terrible. It's and it's and it's you know it's just going to keep going on until more and more people push back. And that's what we're doing. And that's where my, you know, I mean, we're not talking about my astrology, but that's where my astrology is. It's like, oh, we're going to be doing this for a while. We're not anywhere close to being done. We'll be doing this for some time.
4: I remember at a retreat, you predicted to the group, and this was uh, 04, I think, or? Uh yeah, I maybe know. maybe 06. You predicted to the group the downfall of the 2008-2009 crisis. Yeah, yeah, you predicted that. And now Tracy, tell us what's going on. Can you give us a a sketch of what we're in for and how long so that we can have some kind of a peace of mind uh instead of having whiplash every single day watching the news. Well, Obviously, we have the
5: whiplasher in charge right now, um, but we are – so what's going on is we are in a time when we are what we would call – it's called a Pluto return. I know it sounds, so, it sounds like a really weird Disney movie, but Pluto is the uh, farthest planet in our, in our solar system, and it takes Pluto over, three, over 300 years or around 300 years to go around the entire zodiac. So the last time Pluto was at, I think 24 degrees. I think it is 24 degrees Capricorn was seven, was July 4th, 1776. So we're so for the first time in the history of the United States, we are having what's called a Saturn return, and it's going to happen in it must be farther along than 20 it must be 26 degrees. I can't remember that part of it, but it's going to be happening in. 2023, I think it's 23. So we still have a few more years of tension because we are going to, so when you have this Pluto return, we're going back to take a look at how we got our power. And it also involves masses of people. Now I'm a person, I studied U S history when I was in college and it's never been right. I've never, it's never squared with me that we, fought the British for independence, and yet we were a slaveholding nation. I was like, how does that work? Well, here we are, still dealing with our history in a real way, and we're all waking up to it in times of the Pluto return. So, and we have to really, and we Pluto, we have to look at our money, with Capricorn especially. What is, how does money work here? And, you know, you'll hear people say it a lot, like the top 10% control all the wealth of the world or whatever it is. But forget all the the big statements that you might get if you go to a university and you're taking a lecture, you're taking notes in a lecture. It's like, really, we're seeing it in real time. I have friends that are getting kicked out of apartments because they want to put... The the owner of the building wants to put their land, uh, put their child in the apartment, put their adult child there. So now how do people find a new place to live? They can't can't afford it. There's so much stuff that people cannot afford. And that's Pluto and Capricorn. And we are so not done. This is, we're just, we're still figuring this out. You know. And this is, I mean, I'm just giving you one little small thing. I mean, we know about it. We know about health care. We know about all the things. We know about our, edu- our public education. We know the nonsense that's there. This, I, These aren't just slogans that presidential candidates are throwing around. These are real issues. But a superficial answer will not work. It will have to be in-depth. So, Even I don't know who will get elected in 2020, but I know that the the fight will still be there. The fight's going to be there for a few years. And what I always tell my friends is the American Revolution happened when Pluto was in Capricorn in 1776. By the time the French Revolution happened, Pluto had moved into Aquarius. The American Revolution and the French Revolution were wildly different. I would rather have this revolution happen during Capricorn than in Aquarius. And if we don't get it right, it will happen here in Aquarius. And listen, the last time we got the guillotine, I don't want that. We can fix this. So that's kind of where I am.
4: Well, and that's what you're doing. It sounds like you are trying to fix it. You are working. I mean, I know the affiliation is with the the grassroots party. So you are at the grassroots trying to work your way up into the consciousness of the country, and you're trying to heal it from the bottom up.
5: Yeah, the, the, they, they say in nature that the antidote is usually never too far from the poison. We have to stay in the grassroots. We've got to find... What will help people? What do they need? And they really, they were, people don't feel safe. It's not safe from, uh, I'm not talking about like from a criminal element. They just don't feel, they don't know what will happen to them. There's a lot of that. We're, we're, you know, obviously global warming is impacting everybody.
4: Yes, and I think people do not feel like they're in any kind of control because any time they they reach a balance or they get a little bit ahead, something happens, a a disaster, a flood, a fire, some kind of a hurricane comes by and, and rips that away from them so that we're constantly living Right. in indecision and we're not knowing from one day to the other i think it's time to also take all of the the, the knowledge we got in the 80s and 90s about living in the present you know ram das be here now this is all we have is this moment right here right now and we have to realize the power in that moment and that we are the change that we must make the steps at the grassroots we must take off our thongs and walk on that grass see how it feels and take that up into the to the higher elements but i think what we make the mistake of doing here is um, not following the, the curve, not following the plan and the, the, the way that it needs to be done. There is a certain way things have to be done. And if you v- vary your your movement away from that path, you will get clobbered. You will just be lost. And that's what I think you do, Tracy. I think you're able to walk that path. You don't knock anybody in the head. You take them by the hand and you ask them to walk alongside of you. Come on, we can do this. And I think you are the inspiration towards change right now. I think you have the knowledge, the courage, and the creativity to inspire this change. So I'm here to support you in any way I can.
5: Well, thank you, Cac. You've always been a great support. And, you know, I just want to say, well, you're always, you know, you're, I've always had inspiration around me, and I include you, one of the great ones. You've always got a flame on even in your darkest moments, you're still flame there, usually for some dark humor, which I love. Um, but you, you inspire others. It's like you help light up. And that's all we should be doing. We should be lighting everybody else's torch. We should help them light their own torch, but we should walk around and have a flame next to us. It's like, how can I help you? I mean, that's what we should all do. We should all be doing that. And I see sleepwalkers. You see sleepwalkers. They're kind of like, but I got to tell you, I think we're people are waking up faster than ever now. There, they something something's rattling everybody. The astrologer and me would say Uranus is moving to Taurus, but which happened in um, spring, <laughs> and it's going to be there for seven years. And the last wow. time it was here was was 1935 to 1941. Nice years.
4: Well, and David Hawkins says that the vibration of the entire planet has increased seven points in the past ten years. So I think you're right. In in terms of that scale, people are thinking higher. They're thinking uh, more about each other. They are joining together. There is more uh, cooperation happening. So the vibration of the planet is lifting, and that's a good thing. I think we, like you used the term heavy lifting, I think there's a lot more heavy lifting to do and uh, you know torchbearers unite
3: yes for sure and that's a powerful place to uh, wrap up our journey for tonight thank you I was tempted to jump into the conversation uh, at many points because so many uh, wonderful and uh, inspiring things were uh, being said well thank you
4: Thank you, Hercules, and I'm sorry we didn't let you get a word in edgewise. Let's have Tracy back, and we can do it again, and you can pop in. Yes,
3: Yes. and uh, – Our journeys are very similar in many ways, including uh, the Toxic Avenger. Uh, The Toxic Avenger and Lloyd Kaufman, who created him, were in my movie and uh, on my TV show on several occasions. And uh, uh, So I really enjoyed listening to your journey and all the wonderful places it's uh, taken you. Very inspiring.
5: Thank you, Hercules. We love anybody that has dipped into the entertainment business because it's so insane. (laughs)
3: <laughs> and in, in terms of activism, too, I, I, I'm now on a Democratic County committee, and I'm also kind of like visible but behind the scenes in local politics uh, as well. And uh, I'm also in contact with people who are trying to do something about the um, the folks that are in the camps right now. So uh, that's, Great. that's another thing I'll, I'll invite you to talk about it at some point.
5: Oh, I love that. Thank you so much, Hercules.
3: How can folks uh, get in contact with you and uh, learn more about you and get involved with the things that well, you do? Well, I have
5: a, sure, I have an astrology blog called Tracy's Astro Salon, and people on Facebook can reach out to me as well. Tracy Abbott Cook.
3: And for those on Facebook, uh, the links are there in the promo for today's show. Thank you so very much uh, for being on the show, uh, and Taki is a torch, and uh, she has inspired so many people, myself included, uh, that uh, I, I'm in awe of her. Well, thank you,
4: Hercules. Thank you for asking me. Tracy, thank you. You are always my dear friend, and I'm such a fan and an admirer. Thank you, and, and best of luck in everything you do for us and for our country.
6: Thank
4: you, Cac. Thank
3: you, Hercules. Fight on. Uh, Take care. Thanks again for being on. Many blessings for Mount Olympus. And I'll take that scepter back, uh, Cac, and I look forward to our next conversation. It's it's lit with a
4: very high flame. Be careful. Don't burn yourself.
3: (laughs) I can see that. Thank you uh, for the warning. Uh, We're going to listen to Dave DeBard's Merlin and I, and then we'll be back with Jerry Hocheck and the Empowered Hour.
4: Are you there, Trace?
0: in
3: That was Merlin and I by Dave the Bard. Greetings and welcome back to the Elysium Project. Today is our Optimal Wellness Show, and our second segment is the Empowered Hour with Jerry Hochek. Greetings and welcome, Jerry. How are you?
6: Hi, Hercules. I'm doing pretty well.
3: I'm glad to Um, hear
6: that. Yeah, I I heard from our alleged guest, potential guest. Okay. So he may not be able to make it just because uh he's having a late very late day at work, and uh okay. I uh didn't give him a lot of warning, so uh I'm you know not surprised so um but he he'll definitely be someone we want to talk to on a future show if he doesn't call in tonight, so there's still a chance he might call in um but uh chances are he won't. So, um, okay. We'll,
3: interesting. We'll, uh, we'll wing it. Uh, we always do that uh, in an awesome <laughs> way. So, uh, and we haven't caught up in a while. So this will give us a chance uh, to catch up. First of all, happy birthday! Thank
6: you, and happy birthday to you. I think you had one. a
3: yeah, had one couple of weeks days. before I did, or something. Something like that. <laughs> And uh, you, you have been in some very nice places. I've seen the pictures uh, that you shared on uh, Facebook, and the surroundings look uh, beautiful.
6: Yeah, I um, I went to a, a friend's. Uh, a friend of mine owns a bed and breakfast,
3: uh-huh. um,
6: and then they they later they later expanded it into a wedding site. Once wow. there were a lot of requests starting to come in um yeah uh well it's it's situated uh halfway up a mountain and uh it's the the back of the property overlooks the southernmost r- range of the Catskill Mountains so um a lot of my photos you were seeing that mountain range in the background because um, it it it's actually behind the property so it's behind the house that's uh, sitting on the mountain and uh it's it's quite spectacular it uh it never gets old for me um especially this weekend because uh the the weather was just spectacular this past weekend and we we had a lot of sunshine and um you know it's 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 a beautiful place to go. It's it's actually, if anyone's interested, I should uh, I should mention where it is. It's uh it's actually technically it's in Olive, New York, but they have a Boyceville, New York mailing address, and neither one of those towns are probably familiar to anyone. Uh, but this um uh, it's called Anteora Mountain House, and mm-hmm. it it's uh it's actually. Uh, originally, it was a hunting retreat that Richard Hellman, the mayonnaise mogul, built. So uh, the story goes that his doctor recommended, I guess he was getting stressed out because his business was growing exponentially, I, I would think, uh, you know, in that during that era, and uh, we're talking, uh, I think it was like the, th- the 30s or 40s, and... Um, i I believe the story goes that his doctor recommended that he uh get a house in the country to um you know give him a little uh nature therapy so okay. uh, he was into hunting he was into hunting and uh he built the hunting- ret- retreat and uh the website is anteora.com. dot com it's o n like nancy so it's o n t e Ora dot com, O n t e O r a dot com, and uh, fabulous place to have a wedding or uh, corporate event. Bed and breakfast, um, very romantic for couples. There are no televisions in the room, <laughs> uh, in the in in all the rooms, and every room has a large uh, bathroom with a two person jacuzzi.
0: Oh, awesome.
6: Uh, and most of these jacuzzis do have uh a window view so you can look out uh, if you're if you have a room in the in the back of the house you'll be looking at the mountains as you're having your sunset jacuzzi uh, as I did uh on uh, at least on one occasion yeah so that um that's my liquid valium or actually my natural valium let's call it uh <laughs> and uh, cuz i always it's the place is just very relaxed the whole area it's it's got a lot of charm it hasn't uh, been too developed uh even since i started going there as a child this entire time i think i'm going there now about uh 48 years so from age from age 4 uh, uh, i started go- i started going to that area with my parents that whole woodstock kingston is reservoir um that whole area um and uh i started going back once i was in my early 20s uh because the proprietor who's who's now my good friend uh bob bob mcbroom called me on behalf of his business partner And uh, I was working at an insurance brokerage at the time, and Bob called, and we had caller ID on the phones back then, Uh, Uh and um, his partner had a building in Manhattan where we were writing insurance for for property owners, and uh, uh, (laughs) he he (laughs) called to follow up on the application that he sent in for his partner, and I recognized the... The phone exchange and I said, "Where are you calling from?" And he said, "Boysville, New York." I said, "I know Boysville." <laughs> and he said, "No, you don't." I said, "I do know Boysville." He said, "No, you don't." I said, "I do," and and that's how we started this beautiful friendship uh, back in, oh God, it was the the winter, it was the winter months, it was the winter ninety two ninety three, and then I started going up there as a guest. And then, uh, we just cultivated a friendship over time and, uh, and he's Irish and he likes to have a drink, um, every so often. And so I, I, I helped him, uh, uh, I help him with that.
0: <laughs> okay.
6: <laughs> yeah. So we, we had a, we, we, we had a celebratory toast for my birthday and, um, stories and insights as usual so um, I just wanted to mention that Norman um, briefly uh, just to prep people what Norman's about so if he does call in tonight you have a little bit of background if he doesn't um, I'm just giving you something yeah well I'm giving you something to uh, be excited about or or something to anticipate so um this has been kind of showing up lately it's interesting um I I have a new advertiser I sold them uh, some a campaign for a few months anyway um this is a, just a gentleman this is not Norman this is somebody else called um and they called they contacted me around the same time and this 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 first gentleman Scott um he has he works out of a yoga center on on Main Street in Fort Lee New Jersey um, just okay. you know, minutes from the George Washington Bridge And he does light therapy And I believe, I could be wrong But um, I did try it out When I went to see him um, He was gracious enough to uh, Actually he did some therapy on my elbow Because I have uh, Kind of a chronic I don't know, it's not an injury But it's just my, my wrist and elbow Is not healing between workouts Because I do these very intense workouts With a trainer uh, So I don't have to work out three three times a week. I only do it once It's science-based and uh, actually built strength and muscle. So uh, every week, week to week, as long as, you know, I'm giving it my all. So I have been right. and, uh, yeah, I'm seeing great results. So um, so I have, I have this, like, nagging, uh, like, tendon, ligament injury or uh, it's just whatever. It gets overworked, I guess, because I'm pushing a lot of weight and I'm pushing it very or pulling it both very strict and slow and um you know, weightlifting does wreak havoc, havoc on the joints a little bit or it can. Yes,
3: it does.
6: And um so yeah, so I got some actually localized uh, it's light therapy. It's again it's I think it's red and infrared. Um and I did the entire um they have a body booth which is uh like a tanning you know, booth that you'd lay down inside and you know kind of close the lid over yourself and then you can listen to music with those funny little glasses right um to protect your eyes and uh I did one of those and I had my workout that morning and I'll tell you what I felt very very rejuvenated after doing that session I was only I was only in the bed for about 15 minutes and Uh I did notice I did notice a difference I did notice that um I did notice that some of the tightness and some of the pain in 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 my muscles uh from you know the the being sore from the workout in the morning uh it did dissipate uh in that fifteen minutes, and uh, he's got some other interesting uh, technology or machinery there and um the the this technology actually was first used by NASA um because uh, I believe the lack of gravity creates compression, so this actually decompresses
3: uh, astronauts. And I've actually read about this, and I might have a book somewhere on it that I picked up along the way, but it's it's buried uh, uh, in a box of uh, books. Um, And uh, can you explain the workout in a little bit more detail? Uh, Recently, uh, uh, one of our other hosts, uh, one book shared uh, a workout that he's been doing, and I played with it, and I tried it, and it's become like a regular now. I do it several times a week because I enjoy doing that workout so much. It's really hard, uh, and it leaves you exhausted afterwards. But it, it's really, really effective.
6: So you're asking me for more detail on what exactly?
3: On um, the workout um, that uh, you do, yeah. Uh, next oh, the workout?
6: Have...
3: Yeah. Yeah. It sounds, it sounds uh, it's really called a slow burn.
6: Uh-huh, excuse
3: okay.
6: me. Oh, sorry. Uh I think I was talking over you just cuz anyway um it's called the slow burn workout and um let me let me see if I can get some info on it there's there's an entire book written on on it uh I I assume by the person that created it it sounds like it actually, actually has two authors I've never read it but this workout was first introduced to me by my chiropractor slash uh, nutritionist slash acupuncturist who's been in business I believe something like 35 years okay and he's a he's a voracious he's an obsessive researcher so when he says you know I don't I don't do everything he recommends but um, right. he's done he's done a lot of research and when he researches if if something ring, rings true, then he, he does it himself he te- or, or tests it on himself. So, um, so he first proves that whatever it is um, he's going to, let's say, recommend to patients, uh, you okay. know, in addition to what he's doing with them in the office, uh, that, that it works and it's, it provides the kind of results that uh, are expected and that's Dr. Lavitan, Steve Lavitan uh, on Cedar Lane in, in Teaneck, New Jersey. And um, he actually helped set up the gym with a partner he had at the time. Then he had the partner buy him out and the partner sold to these two young, young gentlemen who are trainers. And then there's a female trainer as well. Um, So my trainer, George, I've, I've been doing this with him for about a little over a year and a half, and um, so what it is is it's about five Nautilus machines that cover every major ma- major muscle group. It's five, yes, five machines, and then I do I do for upper chest I do um, uh, inclined dumbbell press presses, and then I do an inclined push up. Uh, on on actually on a on a bar just sitting on a rack on a on a uh, okay. a barbell on a, on a barbell. So why all that for upper chest is because that what I'm doing with the Nautilus machines through strict uh, time under tension is I'm I'm working every mus every exercise I'm 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 doing it to total muscle fatigue. Okay. And one of the side benefits of that is that uh, it strips the glycogen or the sugar from the muscles, um, and then it it uh, processes them or processes it as uh, nutrition, as as food. Um, So in order to for that to happen, you have to um, work. You have to do the exercise to Total muscle fatigue. So at the end of the every exercise, I cannot go on anymore. That's 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 the goal. So. And do you do um, a full
3: body workout, or is it like uh, do you break your body into sections, or do you do like pushers one time and pulls like uh, how how does like a workout it's, uh, work itself it's, uh, through?
6: It's once a week, it's 45 minutes, it's five Nautilus machine exercises, and I do, I do, I use free weights, uh, and, uh, you know, I start with 45-pound dumbbells, then I go down to 40, then I go down to, you know, 25 or whatever, and then I do inclined uh, push-ups using uh, a barbell that's just sitting on a rack, uh, so until I can't do any more of that so that i just wind it down till i can't do everything so i'm working every major muscle group to total fatigue in one one in one workout once a week for 45 minutes uh, approximately and then um if you're see if you're out of your 20s which i am of course uh, Me too. It is rec- it is recommended that, that that is the workout you do because it's going – doing it that way to total fatigue, it's going to take – if you're out of your 20s, it's going to take you that entire week for uh, the muscles to recover, to heal. So – um I've noticed that uh, I have put on muscle. This 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 won't get you huge. Like a lot of guys like to get big, you know, in in the gym. But, I count myself um, in that
3: number. <laughs> excuse me? I count myself in that number. I was experimenting with one exercise and I was watching YouTube videos and the guy said this will not make you big. So it's like, okay, so I'm not I'm not going to do that.
6: Right <laughs> now. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But what what it's doing for me, because uh, everything's tracked, so time under tension and the weight I'm using is tracked on a spreadsheet, um, so it's trainer assisted and trainer motivated.
0: <laughs> and, okay.
6: um, so so um, I've my strength is of course it it goes up uh, well, that's the goal anyway, to is to make make progress. Uh, by by advancing, uh, by doing the exercises longer each week. And then once the time, uh, once you reach a certain time, uh, the time duration of the exercise, then the trainer will, uh, you know, he'll add 10 pounds to whatever okay. you're working out with currently. And um, so, you know, you do need, Pretty. You need. You do need that week to recover, and um, so I noticed it is. It. I did put on about ten pounds of muscle since I've been doing this, uh, which is a little over a year and a half. And um, the strength is definitely there. I. I'm. I'm feel muscular in every part of my body. Um, I'm not huge, but I'm. I'm. I'm not big at all. A little bit in the shoulder area because I always had you know bigger shoulders, let's say uh, than the average you know guy, but um, i I feel you know I feel fit, I feel conditioned, I feel conditioned I'm walking around, I feel you know muscles in my body, and uh, i I just I would say i look I look conditioned i look I look like I have muscle tone um, it, it it is building some definition. As, as you know, as, as well as strength and stamina um, and again it's only 45 minutes a week and I do this at On Point Fitness if anybody's local here uh, it's Cedar Lane New Jersey um, On Point I think it's OnPointFitness.com okay. On Point is one word On Point, on point. I think it's OnPointFitness.com so you can check them out online um, George is my trainer. I highly recommend him uh because he 's just very very good at what he does and uh he 's got a he 's just got a really good demeanor he 's very supportive and and um he's uh he psychs you out he psychs you up and he lets okay. me play he lets me so when i work out I play the hardest um and it 's something i don 't really listen to uh, you know except for maybe periodically um when i'm in the mood which isn't that often but um he puts on uh like hardcore heavy metal we 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 put on the pantera station on okay <laughs> pantera yeah pantera on, on uh uh on pandora pantera on pandora and that you know sets the tone for me being an animal and lifting weights like i'm 25 years old
3: <laughs> that's awesome that, that is awesome uh, it sounds like a, a challenge and uh, it's only one day a week I like exercising and uh, um, I've had folks on the show uh, who are like uh, fitness uh, gurus or on the path and uh, uh, and sharing what they're doing so I'm actually I've actually cut back two days I used to work out six, seven days now I'm, now I'm working out like uh, five days um, uh-huh. and It really helps. During the time when I'm exercising, my muscles are growing faster. So even though I I love the process, uh, so it's not onerous and it's not really work. It's a joyous uh, experience. Uh, But I found that in order to grow, I need to not exercise as much. So uh, that sounds awesome if you could fit all that into um, one day a week for 45 minutes and see results.
6: Yeah, uh, and very good results. Um, but again, you have—I'm all in. And this is not for everyone. This is—it's uh, pretty intense. And you know, you get out of it what you put into it. So,
3: I—you
6: right. know—being that it's only forty-five minutes, it's—it's uh, it's just been excellent for me because I don't have—I'm busy. I don't have a lot of time. I can't—I couldn't see myself three times a week in the gym. Um even though I wouldn't mind doing it, I wouldn't mind having a more you know uh, muscular body conditioned body but it's not that important to me i'm I'm doing this to be fit and right. um uh yeah it's uh, i'm going to, i'm going actually on the beach tomorrow and although i i don't like to run or jog um i i don't mind Jogging, doing some light jogging on the beach because, uh, it's less impact on, on the knees and ankles and legs and such. Um, so I'm going to, you know, see what my stamina is like because I haven't done any running since I've, uh, and I don't, I tend, I tend not to like to run. Um, but, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to see, I, I, I tend to do some jogging when I, I'm on the beach, which isn't that often, but, uh, I'm gonna see what my performance is like uh for the first time since I've been doing this workout. And uh I mean I've already like ran up halfway up, up the cliff in, in the Palisades uh down in Fort Lee. Um so I you know, I know I have I have some good stamina for that, so uh tomorrow'll be an interesting test. Um so getting back to, to Scott, um, his website that was the guy in Fort Lee. His website is light his lat his website is light path to wellness. That's light path to that's T O wellness dot com. So it's light path to To T O wellness dot com. Excuse me. And um um again used by NASA they actually had these units on the on the space shuttle so uh wow. what it does is yeah so it's it's like a D. De- he he explained it as uh it kind of ex- it's expansive so uh, think of injury right think of uh soreness stiffness it's it it's it, it's constricts right it's constrictive constricting this actually this light therapy uh does quite the opposite, and it kind of just expands um you or loosens lo- loosens you i guess if, if you um, you know if, if you have to visualize it a bit um, so I did come out of the bed feeling definitely rejuvenated and in a, in in a measurable significantly measurable amount. Of uh, I had less, I had less soreness, I had less pain, uh, because I did a workout that morning, and uh, significantly less pain soreness than when I went into the bed. So that was that was readily apparent. Now um, there are football teams that also have this um, these beds, this technology, this light. Uh, light therapy. It could also there's there's a a, a machine that that has a gun that uh, can apply concentrated levels of this light um, in in localized areas such as you know joints elbows knees uh, lower back neck um, even you know fingers. Uh, so again, I had my I had my elbow treated. I'm going to go back because uh, n- normally when it's chronic uh pain like this it 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 normally takes a few sessions um but uh, but there was out of the, you know I tried a couple other machines and it was quite um oh and a lot of trainers go and uh do this because guess what, what? they're typically getting hurt periodically because they're working with clients and they're they're moving you know they're handling weights and they're moving weights and uh, and then they do their own workouts, so uh, th- their jobs are very physically demanding. So um, they do get a lot of trainers in, and um, there's actually uh, Scott at at Light, Light Path to Wellness does have. Uh, again, if you go on the website which I provided earlier, Light Path to Wellness.com, um, they I believe you'll see hours uh, there, there is a certain time of the day on a particular day when trainers can come in and uh, get treated at, you know, or do the, you know, do the treatments, do the, do the sessions with the light therapy sessions at no charge. Uh, And that's, that's a courtesy to trainers. uh, So they uh, can, you know, present it or recommend it to their, their clients. Um, So again, Football, professional football teams uh, He mentioned a few, I don't remember them But, um, you know, major major football teams are using this NFL teams um, Also, uh, NASA was, I guess, the first to really put it on the map um, As a viable therapy And, mm-hmm. um, you know, so we're seeing accelerated healing in, uh, you know... Uh, muscle uh ligament uh, tendon pain joint pain um pulled muscles uh, you name it it's it it it, it accelerates healing uh so f- people can get back to their normal routine and you know not be hampered by by pain and uh l- you know lim- limited movement and uh, so Norman shows up around the same time. He calls me, and uh-huh. his, simple expl- his simple explanation was this. And I was already familiar with the technology because I had a – well, similar technology anyway, because I had an advertiser who was using a machine similar, uh, I guess, because uh, it's kind of a similar concept. It works a, works a similar way. And um, they had a machine it was out of Canada, and it was pretty well known in Canada, but not so well known here and what it would, what, what it would do it would determine um, which specific seasonal allergies you have to what meaning to what plants uh, even even works with um, food allergies as well and um so this machine would determine, you know, what, uh, well, if it's a food allergy, you already know what what what, um, what you're sensitive to, but the machine would determine the specific seasonal allergy to which plant. So you, there's probably a little bit of uh, testing that goes on, some diagnostics, and then um, in our bodies, I guess, I might not be explaining this the best way, but in our bodies, these plants that, let's say, we're allergic to, you know, whether, whether it's ragweed or whatever, um, uh, it, it has a specific frequency or resonates a specific frequency. So what this equipment out of Canada did was it, it would emit that same frequency into the client's body and it would cancel out the the allergy or the sensitivity by just hitting it with its own frequency. Okay. Um and you know, these people had an they the the people that were advertising with me, they also they had a drugstore. They were well educated. They they did the research. I, I think one of them had some uh you know issues in the area of allergies or food sensitivity. So uh it this is what first um um uh you know a, a, a interest, interest interest interested <laughs> in this and yeah it was you know of course some you know they had their own story about uh, allergies so um once they determined you know through their research and that this actually worked, they went ahead and purchased a the unit they set up an office, and then they were advertising and and we were one of the places that were advertising in in natural awakenings magazine um and uh, so Norman calls me up, and he says, look, I have this machine that I believe he developed. Um, we, uh, I don't have a lot of detail, but um, basically he said the machine will scan the entire body, and it will term- determine where the energy blocks are. Okay, That's so it will determine where, where energy or cell stagnation is, And, um, whether it's from, it doesn't matter, diet, emotion, um, usually these things are, you know, they're emotion based or, uh, so he, Norman's machine, his equipment determines, you know, where the block is, what the frequency is. And then it, it neutralizes it with, again, emitting its own frequency into the body so it actually it it cancels out or neutralizes the the place where there's energy stagnation or energy blockage. And um so whatever the issue is, whether it manifests as physical or emotional or or you know, it could be it could be pain, it could be nervousness, it could be stress. Um it could be, uh, uh, you know, whatever, uh, un- uncontrollable emotional outbursts, uh, depression, anxiety, whatever it is. This machine can diagnose where this blockage is in the body that that's causing the disturbance and actually um, neutralize it. And um, I, I'm going to try to see him soon because i have i have this high blood pressure uh issue going on, and uh I am mm-hmm. taking something for it now it's herbal yeah it um i determined it wasn't it wasn't stress or emotional you know emotion based that it's something well it is i guess underlying but um i i still haven't determined what's what's causing it um uh, but um it's not an apparent emotion. It's not something that I'm aware of that I can change because emotionally I'm fine. Um, now, mm-hmm. <laughs> Consist- now <laughs> consistently, uh, you know, since I've cleared, I guess the majority of my baggage or whatever, but, um, and that's,
3: that's quite an accomplishment too. You you're, know, you're, you're, you're stating it lightly, but, uh, I'm sure most yeah. people would agree. That's a heroic, uh, Uh, journey and a heroic accomplishment uh, to be where you are. Thanks. Well, you know, I was just tired
6: of being miserable and and involving myself in one unhealthy relationship with, you know, a woman after another, and uh, that was, you know, what was occurring throughout my life. And I didn't have any real harmony or, or, uh, yeah, I didn't have any real harmony, so there wasn't... uh, a lot of happiness. So, you know, my only option was to straighten my shit out. I mean, <laughs> it was either that or just kind of remain, you know, fairly well, miserable. I mean, you know, whether it was apparent or not that I was, I was. I mean, on the, you know, I, I didn't act it because I just, you know, I wasn't into negativity really, uh, or I, you know, I wasn't into wearing that on my sleeve, but, you know, behind, behind the smile, I was not really happy. Um, and now I am. And nothing's really changed except that, yeah, except that I just cleared everything, forgave and forget, forgot. And, uh, uh, I mean, it was a process. I had to go through reliving a lot of those emotions uh, or, or, you know, going through the ones that were trapped because on their way out, uh, during a release, I actually had to feel, uh, the emotional pain. Um, but I was happy to do that each time that occurred because I knew I was releasing something that was, you know, trapped in me. It was, um, from trauma, trauma patterning. And, um, Anyway, yeah. So I, I listen to me. It, it was the only option. I didn't want to keep being stuck in patterns, and and um, so I changed a lot of things about myself. I did I did some accelerating, accelerated growing up, let's call it. And how I did it was to just be, you know, it started with just becoming very very honest with myself, brutally honest and uh taking responsibility for all my
3: for my mess
6: <laughs> and, so.
3: and that, that is hard because uh um i as you know i also am very much uh involved with uh uh recognizing patterns hunting them down and then resolving them you know as much as i'm able to mm-hmm. like you i realized that that's what keeps you miserable you know and that uh, certain states of mind, it doesn't really matter that much what's actually happening or, you know, what you think is happening. Um, you know, you don't have to uh, get sucked into the story and suffer in, in very many instances. And in order to do that, you have to know what your patterns are. You have to know what your vulnerabilities are. You have to uh, see uh, what your story is and uh, get rid of the parts where you're the victim. And it's, it's constant vigilance uh, because we are... Programmed and acculturated into this society through trauma, and uh, our relationships, our cultural institutions, uh, our our guiding myths are often ones that involve, uh, um, you know, remaining traumatized and encourage the trauma and reinforce it. So it's really, really difficult to wend your way through that and to start looking at it and doing something about it. Yeah. Um... Uh,
6: it, it, I, I, I don't know why it's difficult. I was ready to do, not that I was ready, but I wasn't ready. But I could have done this sooner. But I think karmically, I, it it needed to run its course, which which is fine, I guess. Um, because now looking back, um, everything makes sense. And yeah. um, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you one of the big things we don't even talk about. Like, you know what? I, it's funny. There was one of my advertisers, a functional medicine doctor, Doctor Pucci, out of Oregon, New Jersey, and he wrote he wrote an article one one day, one for one 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 month. He writes he submits an article every month, and this was about it was about I, I forget. You know what? Let me let me try to I'm going to try to find it while we're talking, okay. but the the premise was that the, the way he the way he um what's the word the way he presented the article was uh it was about constipation
1: okay. and
6: and uh i'm going to try to find here what what was his Oh, the common – yeah. Here's the Here was his – this was his title, whether or not we used it. I, I'd have to look at the copy after editing. But he said, The Common Secret No One Talks About, Constipation. That was his title. The Common oh. Secret No One Talks About, right? And um, I, I know the way we eat in this country, um, there's a lot of constipation.
1: <laughs>
6: and if right. you're European, you're not even eating – a portion of the vegetables that Americans are eating, and Americans don't hardly eat any vegetables. So, mm-hmm. you, you know, I'm a big fan of eating vegetable fiber because it helps push everything out. I mean, it's just, you know, right. it's common sense, common sense, right? And um, so, so the, my point is that, a lot of people are walking around constipated, not really doing much about it because they kind of know, well, it's the lifestyle, it's the food I'm eating or whatever, but I'm not ready to make any changes yet. So, you know, it, it, he Pucci positions this as, you know, it's the secret we all know about but nobody's talking about. So the other secret, uh, aside from constipation, that nobody's talking about is is the sh- the the crap, the... The the stuff our parents and I'm not doing this to blame, but we have to right. fess up. We have to fess up, and and you know, yeah, I I I want to get along too, but you know, we have to be honest and and you know, one thing I determined was was, you know, it happened to me, and I know it's happening to a lot of people, and and it continues to happen until we figure it out. But you will if you have unresolved stuff with your mother, your birth mother, if you have a disconnect with your birth mother, well guess and that's not getting resolved. you are going to attract women that are very similar to your mother and and they 're going to uh present they're going they 're going to also have those similar characteristics that are causing whatever conflicts that you're having with your, with your birth mother. And, um, and similar things happen with daughters and their fathers, right? Right. We've all heard, we've all
3: heard of, you know, women that, that, what's what's that? Uh, the Oedipus complex and the uh, Electra complex. The Oedipus complex is, uh, uh, is for men and the Electra complex is for women uh, out of the same uh, um, you know, mythologies, the Greek mythologies. And uh, uh, it, it pretty much uh, uh, states what you just stated, You know that, that people are, pr- are prone to uh, marrying their parents uh, to resolve issues that they're not resolving directly with their parents. Well, yeah, not...
6: I guess to eventually, hopefully, resolve, um, but it's a, it's a, it, that's a whole puzzle within itself if, if you have, you know, a big disconnect with, with uh, the opposite-sex parent. Now, you know, we hear of women will gravitate towards abusive men or men that are emotionally unavailable or men that are cheaters, and that typically mimics uh, behavior that was present in their fathers when they were growing up. So because what happens is it's, you know, programming is, it's it's so covert because what happens when we're younger, it's, it's happening to us, I guess, so by age seven or eight, we're pretty much totally programmed, and if, let's say, Mom and dad were fighting all the time, and they weren't emotionally on. Ava- you know, they weren't emotionally available, and uh, maybe even abusive. That we see that as oh, this is normal. This is this is what you know. This is what adults this is what this is love this is this is what this is normal because right. I'm in this and and what what's happening to that child the brain is wiring itself according to the environment and what's occurring in it because it doesn't know that well oh this will change later it's wiring itself for that specific environment because it the brain doesn't know that well this boy's going to grow up he 's going to leave he 's going to go to college and he 's going to marry some you know woman he meets in college or after college at work or whatever and he 's going to be in a new environment but it 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 so if your parents were a lot this is this occurs a lot parents that are controlling and manipulative um, usually controlling is is more of the theme we see um, and the children also become controlling and manipulative as well because that's the environment they grow up in. That appears as normal. It appears as love right. because this is what my parents are doing, and I love my parents, and I know they love me. Even if you know they, let's say they're, they're they don't. But you know, you hear about this concept of love when you're growing up, and you you think, yeah, well, I'm you know I'm loved because you don't know anything else. All you know is right. what you're what you're experiencing in 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 you know. In, in your home, with your parents, with your siblings and um, and then those a lot of those dynamics um, will continue as patterns well beyond yeah. uh, well beyond you know adolescence uh, and and into you know into adult life and you know control. That's a bitch. And then there's drama. There's, there's drama addiction, and you could wind up with women that have it. You could have it yourself because maybe your parents didn't pay enough attention to you, so you learned how to act out in order to get attention. Right. You know, negative attention is better than no attention at all, <laughs> so you act out. And the drama itself, acting out, the, the mechanics the, of acting out, the dynamics of acting out, uh, do kick up serotonin levels in the blood. So that in itself is a, it's a plus it's a, you know, it's, it's a, it's an enhancement. It's um, it, it makes one feel good when there's more serotonin in your blood being utilized. Yeah. So um, anyway, so let's all get honest and okay. Yeah. My mom sucked, you know, screw it. Um, And then, you know what you do? Or oh, my dad sucked. And you go, okay. Uh, I'm going to set out on a mission to. What did I do to to heal my relationship with my mother? And right, um, I wound up doing that to the point where I still have to exercise good boundaries, but I don't get triggered anymore. I don't take the bait anymore. I don't get triggered. Good. I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't find myself in conflict anymore. Because I don't react anymore to any poten- triggers or potential triggers because that has nothing to do with me. Right. I'm okay. I'm okay. I don't need to be concerned about what bait is being thrown at me. So um, I'm fine. I'm happy. I don't need any drama. You know, uh, enjoy it by yourself. You know very, very and it's true. but it's not a easy place to get to. It's a it's a no. definitely a process. It's been a it's been uh a, a, a very it's been a it's been some of these patterns have been so stubborn that I had to get upset in the end and journal through them. Like one one pattern was two and a half days of journaling in the end and I was the drama addiction and um you know, it's nobody likes to change, but um it's very rewarding when you do get to the other side of some of these patterns and go, "Ah, oh, you know, I Down don't free. have that anymore. I don't have that because I'm witnessing myself no longer engaging in it and you know what it is freeing it is opening up space and what happens is when space opens up you know this more time or the more you know conceptually more time opens up because you're not dealing with patterns now you're not you're not you're not um investing time energy um and and activity the action in um engaging in these, these patterns like drama or what have you so guess what so you don't have all that going on you don't have friends that are into that because you're not attracting that anymore because you're not engaged in it yourself and whoever you had in the past that was engaging in that you've, well you've cut them off because uh, you know you've, 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 uh, uh, what do I like to say you've uh, disconnected you know those relationships or, or uh, detached with love right so mm-hmm. so um, so now now you have these dreams, or you always had these dreams, but you can never quite really get yourself motivated enough, or you can never quite get yourself productive enough uh, because you were stuck in patterns and you were dealing with this like like uh, uh, record stuck, you know, uh, or. Whatever broken record, right over and over, same old stuff being regurgitated, same old, uh, uh, similar incidents would arise, similar conflicts would arise because the patterns are, are there till till they're um, eventually uh, disengaged from, and um, so now you're you, you're not wasting any time and energy um, dealing with behavior patterns uh thought patterns that uh you know inhibit productivity that that uh so so now you're working on the stuff you really want to (laughs) do which which is actually happening with me and um because uh, you know i just i don't know now i'm ready i guess and now uh I don't know what's you know it's funny I haven't even looked at this too closely yet but I've been definitely been more productive I had some superfood also uh, come along through a um through just a friend and that I've been taking that's been giving me more mental clarity it's a Very it's cool. a uh yeah it's a like a superfood rice powder uh from from Asia and um so I have I have increased mental clarity, and I'm not dealing with old thought patterns, old behavior patterns um, at all, really, it seems like. And um, so now I'm going for I'm going after what I want to see in my life. So and that's, you know, financial freedom is definitely one. I mean I'm pretty I have a great, flexible schedule, um, uh-huh. but I want more freedom. I want more money and uh, because I want to have more opportunity to travel and see more of this world and experience more um, so I do want to take off you know sometimes you know weeks at a clip and um and yeah, I, you know I want to get some myself some nice things too, but um so now i I've opened up the door, I guess, to be able to do that without, you know, any excuses without anything hampering me. And, uh, it's, it's, it's very, it's very freeing, um, to, to, to be here as, as you know, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Um, so
3: go ahead. No, we're nearing the end of our hour. Uh, you I'm glad that our guest wasn't able to join us because, uh, as always, uh, uh, we discuss some very uh, heavy and important uh, things. Um, the host prior to uh, you tonight, Tak Young, uh, mentioned that we seem to, by going through stuff that we go through, receive the training for what we're going to be doing next. And uh, you, you're certainly reinforcing that through the things that you're saying.
6: Right. I Again, I think, you know, everything that occurs, all these challenges we have, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't really matter. Anxiety, depression, uh, relationship issues, um, addiction, it all goes back to some type of trauma. Now, you know, well, trauma is not limited to uh, bombs blowing up next to you in a war, or being raped in an alley that 's trauma yes but but trauma is also having a parent that didn 't show love a parent that 's that 's um, emotionally unavailable that can be depending on how how a child is wired could be very, very traumatic and then it sets up a pattern uh, that you know arises out of this lack and um now. This child, as an adult, will attract people like his mother. So, um, until he resolves the issue with his mother, so um, and that resolution, that process is different for everyone. But there are common things that that you know we can do. There there are things that kind of work uh, holistically. Um, there's there's a lot of Uh, therapies out there that clear, you know, this type of energy from, from, from traumas. And uh, it's just, you know, it's, it's underutilized. It's not part of, you know, the, the healthcare system and insurance and all that. So uh, it's, it's, um, you know, out of pocket and And um, maybe, maybe it's set up that way because, you know, if you're really, really serious about change, about empowering yourself, about getting healthy, you know, physically, emotionally, um, then you'll do whatever it takes. So, um, you know, it's not, this is taking responsibility and yeah, if you have to pay your way through, then you have to pay your way through. So it's important enough, uh, in order to sh- shell out some money. Um, but if you're not looking to take responsibility and you're just looking to go to the doctor to get, you know, whatever the pill of the month is um, to uh, manage symptoms like anxiety, depression, not really getting to the core of things and working through those and, and uh, coming to resolutions, forgiving, forgetting, uh, you know, verbalizing and what happened.
3: Yeah, we're going to have to make it to be continued. They're going to cut us off in 10 seconds. So Well, no, uh, that's fine. I was Thank done you anyway. So <laughs> I had a great uh, time conversing with you. Uh, thanks yep. uh for being on tonight and I'll give you a call sometime week. Sure. Yeah, let's definitely
6: talk and um yeah, so anyway, it's all about getting very very honest and saying, "Okay, what can I change? What's the what's at the core of this? And um you know, what do I have to do? I'm ready. I'm all in and and, and all the tools, all the instruments, the Information people will show up Uh, Trust me The universe does support us As long as we're all As long as we're serious And and willing to take responsibility Have a great evening Hercules And uh, I'll talk to you soon
3: I'll talk to you soon Okay
0: Bye
4: Thanks for listening to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network Join us Seven nights a week for exciting programming covering a variety of expressions of faith. And remember, all manifestations of the divine are equally valid.